electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber and Jim Cramer, who is back, we're happy to say. Coming off a week of five straight record high closes for the Dow. Futures are steady as the president begins selling uh, the stimulus package across the country. The focus pivots to infrastructure. A big week with the Fed meeting and retail sales in focus. Our roadmap begins with the rally rolling on. Airline stocks are higher pre-market on some new guidance from Delta and Southwest. Plus, Treasury Secretary Yellen's inflation warning saying there is a small risk, but says it would be temporary and manageable. And techno king and master of coin. The story behind the new titles for executives. I'm sorry, Carl. At Tesla, we got to come up with our own, I guess, here. I don't know what I can be of squawk on the street. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is a, a new era in the 8K, uh, David. We'll get to that. First off, though, Jim, uh, a lot to get to, but uh, we're so glad you're back. I know you, you were watching. And congratulations this week on the anniversary week for Mad Money. Oh, thank you. 16 years, and uh, we come to play every day. Tremendous team, Regina Gilgan. By the way, in that fabulous Women's History Month, uh, the, the, promo, the promo that we're doing, which is must-watch. I know it's just a commercial, but it's far more than that for the amazing people who are on our team. Uh, I come back feeling renewed and refreshed, but a little confused because I do think that there's so much money coming at this market, Carl, that the question is, does it go to Bitcoin? Does it go to crypto? Does it go to NF, David, NFT, remember, you're non-fungible, you're making some non-fungible, or does it just go to the uh, T-Mobiles of the world? Uh, Does it go to everything, Carl? It is an exciting time, but boy, is there a lot of money coming at this market. Yeah, I was uh, looking at a piece the Times did over the weekend, Jim, about all those things that you just mentioned, NFTs, but trading cards and sneakers, um, all fed by excess liquidity, social media tools. I mean, I guess, what, is it illustrative of of the time we're in? Yes, I think so. I mean, look, I think that the people who have uh, the most ability to be able to determine a market are people who say, you know what, today I'm going to take uh, some of my money, I'm going to go into the Square Cash app, and I'm going to, going to buy a small percentage of a Bitcoin. Why? Because it goes up. And when things go up, they attract a lot of uh, fellow travelers. And, David, uh, we know that, for instance, there was a piece about shorting and SPACs. I don't believe it for a second. There are too many SPACs coming for me to think that the short sellers can even dent the amount of money going this way. No, I mean, the, the SPACs will continue to, to, uh, to pile up issue. Uh, and the question then becomes, when do you know, do you short the business plan? Do you short them on the prospects, given we've talked so often about the fact that they can make projections in a way that are not typical of IPOs because it's a merger deal? Remember, the SPAC is the one that goes public. Then they do the deal and the candidate that they merge with can make projections. And the question becomes, are a lot of these going to be more speculative than not? We'll see. I mean, there, some are going to be great successes, right? There will be a flying car that works. That's great. 
that everybody loves. There will be a, an incredible battery technology right. company or any number of them sort of up and down uh, in, in terms of where they are vertically on the integration of that battery. Uh, but, Jim, there are also going to be some fails, no doubt. Well, look, I think that the one issue will be, if everybody hears, David, that there is a big short position in something that you and I may think is not credible, then does that short position become like a magnet for people who sense the problems that short sellers have when you gang up on them? Right, right. A la GameStop, which, by the way, where I mean, you saw last week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the answer. It's, it's certainly got to be something that, fo- that people are focused on. Uh, when they are shorting na- individual names. You know, we, uh, Dom was just talking about Viacom, best performer in the S&P. It's not short covering as much as it's just price momentum. And it's these algos that, that trigger off price momentum, and that's where it's going right now. But you see GameStop, Jim, at 276 bucks. I know you're going to ask, why haven't they sold stock? They've got some disclosure issues or some other things I, as I've, that I'm aware, at least that sort of have been made... Not clear to me, I should say, but there are some reasons, perhaps, that they have not followed your advice that you've been giving for months now to sell stock. Right. Well, look, I just felt that if you're going to reinvent the company, the uh, excess liquidity that you need is rather substantial. By the way, you could say the same thing for Viacom. I mean, why not sell? And there they don't have those same issues. Why not sell five billion worth of stock? It's less than 10 percent of your market cap right now. Pay for the NFL. You could you know, it's enormous the opportunity that that would create for you and just delevering. If your discovery too. But look today, uh, Carl, Adam Aaron, right? AMC, opening theaters in Los Angeles. Why? And why is yep. that stock at 12? Because he had the foresight to say, you know what? If people are going to bid up my stock, I'm going to take the money and I'm going to take the money and be sure we get through this difficult period. Uh, I think that that was wise. But then again, I'm sure you look at Carnival. Carnival, there were some uh, negative news this weekend about maybe shipping not till 2023. So that sends the stock up only a few uh, a few pennies. I mean, there is a desire <laughs> to be in anything that's down and out. And the one thing people don't seem to want to touch, and Carl, this has not changed, they don't want to touch the highest multiple stocks because they somehow feel that those are dangerous, with the exception of Palantir, which has somehow escaped all of the, of the uh, scrutiny, in part because, boy, it's really hard to figure out what to do. Um, defense and defense black box. Well, that's the focus. That's the focus of uh, Mike Wilson's uh, note this morning out of Morgan Stanley is his line is the cat's out of the bag. Uh, Investors are no no longer wondering if rates are going to go up, but by how much PEs will come in, uh, Jim. And he does say that the stimulus effect may delay some of that drag. But in the long term, their their year end targets, thirty nine hundred. On the other hand, David Costin, our friend at Goldman, says the equity market could digest yields as high as two percent. Uh, on the 10-year without much difficulty. Uh, I'm still with Costin's. Costin's been making a lot of money. Uh, I do think that where people are going to make money is very different. I was doing some valuation analysis. You take Caterpillar, okay? So Caterpillar is going to, it sells at 21 times earnings. Uh, next year, it sells at 17 times earnings. Okay, now, David, we're going to take maybe one of the most hated stocks, even by Ann Winblad, very informative person in the previous show. Facebook, Facebook. 19 16 times next year's earnings. 16. I can't find it. I mean, other than General Motors, can I find 16? The 33% top line growth last quarter. Hated. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but those are that name has not performed well this year. Apple so far, not particularly no. well. Amazon so far, to your point, not well. That no. can change very quickly. Jim, I mean, we're talking about four, what, $400 billion coming to your bank account soon. 
$400 billion. Well, I'll tell you. How much of it ends up, again, back to that question, in the stock market in some fashion? I think that people who want to so-called play it uh, should look no further than Square. Uh, doing this, uh, Amrita Ahuja, she's done a remarkable job. Uh, she is the person who is the CFO. Uh, Jack Dorsey's done an incredible job. What do they have? They have a thing called Cash App. David, Cash App is where a lot of money's going to uh, end up. And what happens with that Cash App, David? They buy pieces of Bitcoin because they sell you. Square is known as the Bitcoin place. Right. So the guy over at Tesla who is the master of coin, we got to get him to tell us what to think about that, too, then, don't we? That's not Musk, by the way. Musk is the techno king. But look, no, it's it's Zach Kirkhorn. Thank you. Zach Kirkhorn. Yeah, there he is. It's about time we had a new name in this thing. Uh, Carl, I've got to tell you, the showmanship here is unbridled. And uh, they actually put a filing out to let everybody know. I know. This is, yeah. Does that make a mockery of a sham of what filings are? Or, or is that what SPACs no. do, Carl? I mean, we don't even bother I me. Mean, I've seen some SPACs this week that are telling me that they're going to make billions, you know, in like three months. I mean, I'm not, look, okay, three years. But I do find, Carl, that if you, are the, the dichotomy between a SPAC where you can basically say anything and by a traditional IPO is so great that anyone who is looking at these things has got to be drawn to this back and away from the IPO. It just has to be because we find out what no one's going to sit there and say someone such and such companies lying. I mean, look, we're, we do have this Lordstown uh, situation right now where Lordstown puts out a, a let's say a rebuttal to what we had last week. And. Eh, I don't know. I mean, the rebuttal seems like a half-hearted rebuttal to some degree. But people want Lordstown. Why? Because of the story. It's an abandoned GM factory that's going to make vehicles that people are going to love. So why are we questioning that? Why are we questioning Fisker with the ocean, which is such a beautiful car? What is the point of, of, of questioning Lucid? Because we all want Lucids. I mean, I don't know, Carl. I, I find it after a while. It's... We all love everything. We all want to buy everything. I don't know. Maybe we don't want to buy everything. Yeah, well, certainly um, people are arguing this morning, Jim, there is reason to buy some airlines. We got fresh guidance out of Southwest. They said that um, February uh, revenue and demand pretty much in line, but that March and April may be doing better uh, than prior expectations. Delta also presenting at the J.P. Morgan Industrials Conference. TSA traffic, Jim, we've done four straight days of a million plus Friday was 1.35 million. That's up 8% year on year. We're now comping up high single digits on air passenger traffic in this country. Oh, look, Carl, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt about it that something happened in the last three weeks, whether it be the number of people who are vaccinated, whether it be a belief some of these states are opening up, or whether just genuine optimism. Uh, people uh, pen up want to go places, but get used to hearing we are an extremely full extremely full of capacity in this. And don't if you want to check your bags, you better do it. There's no room in the overhead. And it's happening and it's happening. So, David, it is happening to the point where you would think that there, yes, is no pandemic anymore. But there still is, right? There's lots of people getting it and 50,000 more. And Dr. Fauci tried to Say that we're near the finish line. Don't he said, don't spike the ball when right. you're uh, on the five. Right. There's a lot of people spiking it to 20. Yeah. David, yeah. people mass, per, you know, they look like, you know, Lone Ranger. I mean, remember that? 
Well, I don't know. I walk around New York. There's everywhere there's a mask outside still. Well, it's, New York. it's not clear to me that you need to, but everybody does. Well, that's one part of the country. Right. Other parts, obviously, are not, are not, uh, not doing that. Um, we're getting close. And to your point, people are. I mean, the real question becomes, Jim, back to the $400 billion or more, how much of that is used to actually go out and do things as opposed to, as we saw, as we've seen previously, perhaps take some of that money and, and save it or invest it. I think they're going to do things. Carl, I think that restaurants are going to come back. I think people are going to shop again. I, I think that there's going to be a quicker return to normalcy and then a boom. Uh, as we find out that people just want to go places like never before with good balance sheets, except for, of course, the people who have no jobs. Uh, there is that. We are, we're still doing um, more jobless claims per week uh, on initial claims than we had ever peaked out at of the great financial crisis. We'll take a break here. Plenty of individual names to get to this morning, including some calls on Ulta, uh, Lulu, Boeing. Got a fresh sell on Viacom, uh, JP Morgan. And of course, we'll dig more into the Tesla AK. We're back in a moment. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Ah, welcome back to Squawk on Street. Jim, we had an interesting week last week. Of course, we missed you, uh, but we were able to visit with the CEOs of the three major wireless carriers, as I, I assume you know. Uh, right. And all of them talking, of course, around the uh, purchase of C-band spectrum. Um, enormous purchases, of course. I mean, if Verizon announced that they were doing a $53 billion acquisition, we'd be talking about it for weeks. They spent $53 billion buying uh, C-band spectrum, of course, to enhance 
their ability to offer 5G. AT&T coming in at 27.4. And then T-Mobile, of course, a much more modest 10.5 billion. But we were able to sit uh, to have uh, John Stanky from AT&T, Mike Sievert from T-Mobile, and Hans Vesberg from Verizon join us last week to sort of talk about this. Now, with Stanky, as you might imagine, there's a lot to talk about. There's the balance sheet of the company being pulled in a lot of different directions and the question as to whether it can withstand all of that tension as it invests in HBO Max and has pretty aggressive uh, targets in terms of subscriber growth over the next four years as it invests in the C-band and expanding it and making 5G available everywhere robustly uh, as it pays its dividend and so forth. And can it invest, continue to invest in growth initiatives? Thank you, says, yeah, we can. We also, of course, talked a lot about C-band and the, uh, what it represents for that company and for the country overall in terms of what we're going to be able to do Years from now, take a listen to Stanky as he sort of talks about these auctions and the importance that they have over time for these companies. Having been through a number of these auctions, they're, they're always repeating themselves. You, you kind of go through them and you end up investing a little bit more than you thought you might have to or you really wanted to. The appetite for customers to use the service more as it becomes more capable always seems to open up opportunity. And I think it's going to be the same in this case. Of course, you think about 4G and the opportunities, for example, Uber, just one there, and what that created and the, the businesses that are able to be created. We don't know yet what that will mean for 5G, but there is a debate raging. And of course, as you might imagine, T-Mobile and Verizon kind of at it. T-Mobile always liking, it's not John Ledger anymore, but Sievert sort of likes to try to antagonize a bit too. And the question for Hans Vesberg that I put to him is, is one that is being asked by a lot of people who follow this closely, which is essentially, you know, you've bought all the spectrum, but is it going to require you to put up more cell sites, uh, and more uh, uplink spectrum. In other words, do you have to spend a lot more to densify your network? Here's what Vesberg said, and then take a listen to Sievert responding to Vesberg's answer. We have the most dense network already. We have the best 4G network in the nation. This, the mid-band that we are buying is the best uh, mid-band spectrum in the market. With the position we have right now, with the network, with the team, with the go-to-market, with the new services, and with the spectrum position, I think we are in an extremely good position to extend our lead in this market. He can either choose not to densify, which sounds like the plan, which means they won't have a competitive product. Or they can spend tens of billions of dollars densifying and eventually arrive with a competitive product. That's just a choice. And so I think what we heard yesterday is, is what his choice is. And it's, it's a great uh, situation for future T-Mobile customers and businesses. All right, Jim, you mentioned T-Mobile earlier. Is of the group, is that your favorite? Oh, by far. And I think that one look at the uh, Craig Moffat map this morning uh, from Moffat Nathanson just shows you that T-Mobile is the coverage is extraordinary versus Verizon uh, versus AT&T, a little bit less. But one thing I'll tell you, David, the stocks that are involved in towers have been among the worst in the marketplace. Now, some people say that's because the real estate investment trusts and its rates have moved up. But then utilities started going up last week. The stocks. No, not these stocks. They are they're saying, David, forget about it. The ATT and Verizon don't have enough money to be able to build out or the, or are not or to Vestberg are not going to need to densify as much as well, as Sievert would said they will need to develop to deliver the service they say they will. Well, I hope so. I mean, but when I look at these things, I say, why am I still with Verizon? And when I look at the coverage, the coverage is rather extraordinary. The deal that T-Mobile did 
uh, with Sprint, in retrospect, David, was a complete home run. And T-Mobile is... Uh, his stock is just goes higher and higher. Why? Because they've got the best 5G coverage. It turns to be very, right. very valuable as a way to sell. It's Although it's interesting when you look at their revenue projections, and I asked Sievert about this, I think it was Friday when he joined us. I mean, they're only around 4% revenue growth. Now, he said, well, we're, you know, we're trying to under-promise is what, kind of what his right. answer was. But that's not much more than, uh, than Verizon, what Verizon's setting out. So, you know, you do wonder if all these things kind of revert to the mean eventually. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Carl, when I look at T-Mobile, I look at the others, I just think, well, the others are these uh, income bets. Uh, Verizon seems that, you know, obviously has a better balance sheet. You're reaching for income for ATT. Uh, T-Mobile has a, is a legitimate growth stock, and I understand the 4% to me is under, uh, it, that is very much under promise. We're going to be talking about a company that overpromised. Later on, uh, when I get to uh, hopefully to my mad dash, because I became a victim of the overpromise, and it's a little bit of a tease, but that is not what we're getting from T-Mobile. Doing a great job, really mm. great job. No, no. Now I want to hear what it is. We'll get to we'll get to Kramer's Mad Dash, guys, in a little bit. Uh, plenty to watch. Uh, the uh, guidance continues to come in on the airlines. JetBlue's on the tape right now. We did get a little bit of a dip in the futures on the Empire uh, survey, which was better than expected, but uh, prices paid a little higher than expected, and employment was down uh, below expectations. Take a break here. We'll be back in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Take a look at some of the airlines uh, helping to lead this morning pre-market. Americans at the top as we get uh, some fresh comments from JetBlue, Delta, Southwest this morning. Uh, And as we said earlier, as uh, passenger traffic continues to show gains year on year. Uh, By the way, Doug Parker of American will be on Squawk Alley later this morning, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're back after a short break. All right, let's get to a mad dash. Uh, some not great news for Eli Lilly. No, and I've got to tell you, David, I, listen, I had David Ricks on uh, Mad Money not that long ago and felt pretty positive, pretty pumped about the drug, frankly. And this is an Alzheimer's drug. And I think a lot of people felt the same way, which is why when they presented some data this weekend uh, that was more mixed but still has some success, small sample, 250, a lot of, all the hot money is going to blow out. Now, I know from Biogen how difficult this drug, this, this incredible Jeez. illnesses, uh, J&J also told you repeatedly how difficult it is. Uh, I think that this is an overreaction. Uh, my chapel trust owns it. Did I get uh, too bullish on it? I believe the management. I think management got too bullish. And Eli Lilly is a very conservative company. So I question whether people are, oh, they got, uh, let's say, that Lilly did overpromise or Lilly promised and what you got is something that I think a lot of people would still take, which is that maybe ultimately maybe you get three years if everything works great without uh, getting Alzheimer's versus others. Uh, but, David, when you yeah. see this disease and there's any hope, everyone just wants to own a stock that's associated with it. And 
the consensus was that there won't be any accelerated approval by the FDA because they, they will not like the data enough. Right. And that's what's driving it down. You know, Jim, in a year, of course, where we've seen what incredible success the pharmaceutical industry can have in terms of fighting a disease uh, and even things that we haven't talked about as often in terms of the advances that continue to be made against cancer, you start to think, oh, they, they're going to be able to do it. They're going to yes. be able to tackle Alzheimer's. Uh, and yet so far, no. No, and you, you look, there is a definite reversion of plaque, which at one point we would have felt, uh, I remember in the old forest labs and, and, and NADA, they had this drug, and NIMDA, yeah. and the fact that I can't even remember how to pronounce it just tells you exactly how worthless it may have been for some people. But there is a notion that if you can get rid of plaque, then maybe good things can happen. And um, now there's a belief that maybe that even won't do Well, that's the question. It's still, they're still not, they're not completely certain that that's really what causes it, right? No. So it's the underlying causation, which they're still trying to understand fully for Alzheimer's. There's so much going on there. But, David, you're so uh, right. I think that there was a belief that with warp speed and what's happened, bring it on. Bring on whatever illness there is. It's going to be defeated. And that's just not the case. Carl, this one may be too hard for now. Just too hard. Uh, we, knew, we, we know it was, it's a tough hill, uh, and, and sometimes... Even encouraging data is never linear, uh, and you do get setbacks, Jim, as, as you well point out. There's the opening bell at the big board. It's Perception Systems Company, Ava, uh, celebrating its IPO. We're going to talk to the CEO on Squawk Alley later this morning. At the NASDAQ, it's Prometheus Biosciences doing the honors. Jim, all your, uh, your big pharma talk uh, reminds me of just what's going on regarding vaccines. Uh, yes, last week was busy. Uh, between uh, J&J and Merck CEOs of the White House. Uh, This AstraZeneca stuff, trying to defend themselves against these uh, uh, studies that argue that there's a risk of blood clots and and the ongoing troubles in rolling out any vaccines, really, in Europe right now. Yeah, I mean, I I, shocked at Italy, where the epicenter uh, after China, and that was uh, during Fashion Week is when it started. That was uh, last month. And they're still nowhere uh, versus, say, Israel, where you're getting some very positive data. Uh, shows you what can happen if people uh, roll up their sleeves. I do think that we are, um, without a doubt, Carl, I've got to tell you, uh, there are parts of this of this country that you just feel great about, and then the parts of the country where you're you're kind of puzzled. Uh, where are uh, where are the shots? And AstraZeneca. I mean, look, my daughter lives in Spain. She got the AstraZeneca. I didn't. Who, there was no thought of not getting the AstraZeneca. Now suddenly, uh, the one that had been theirs. Uh, doing nothing. David, you know that at the Javits Center, which is a very big place yes. in New York City, there are people who are now at very different ages getting it, mm-hmm. saying that they've got issues, uh, mm-hmm. and it's no longer just the 65. No, no, not even close. No, no it's, uh, it's, it's up and down the age spectrum, I think. And in, in coming weeks, it's going to be even more than that. I mean, New York has moved down to 60, and it's going to move below that. Connecticut's at 55, so... Now, this is getting getting into arms uh, quickly, although the question continues to be, and we hear it from the experts that we bring on, Scott Gottlieb, of course, chief amongst them, will it be quick enough? Because these new variants are still out there. They're circulating and they're becoming more dominant. And the question is still whether or not they are uh, more transmissible and or even uh, more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, um on another network, 60 Minutes, my personal doctor, Dr. LeBook, was on at, looking at the different variants. And, and all I could say was, I mean, that Moderna, is that what that wasn't it? 
I mean, Carl, I got to go get a third Moderna. I mean, no. I, I, and then there are Dr. Fauci on Meet the Press talking about how there's a lot of people who won't take it. And maybe President Trump uh, will, former President Trump will reach out. I mean, Carl, I mean, who, who doesn't take it? Who doesn't want this thing to end? Uh, Carl, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I know. There's uh, Axios has some reporting on the percentage of people in Congress, members of Congress, who don't want to take it. They, they say it's somewhere in the high 20s. So, I mean, look, it's a conversation that uh, I guess it depends on, on who you're with and, and what their background beliefs are. But I, I, I think most of us at this table, uh, me remote and you two, would take whatever we could get at this point. I, I am curious to know, you mentioned L.A. opening uh, theaters and uh, gyms as of today. New York City restaurants, gym, I think 50 percent starting Friday. I yeah. wondered if that's going to uh, pull forward your date, your your Cinco de Mayo date of your place. No, no plans. We're sticking by uh, May. We want to get everything right. I think that the, a rush to open is a mistake. I, I just think that we don't know enough still. Uh, we don't know enough about viral load. We don't know enough about what the real number should be at a bar. I, I don't want I just don't want to be involved with anything that we don't that we have so few facts on. But then again, that's been the that's been the state of this thing the whole way, hasn't it, Carl? How little we've really known. Each time incrementally, we think we you know we, don't we look back now and think hands surface wash. Well, that was certainly a part of it, but it was this. It was the idea that uh, we all yell. But then again, I mean, there were three thousand people last night watching a seventy sixer game. Uh, we're starting to hear about about stadiums that are going to be for opening day, right, uh, for yeah. baseball. Texas is going to be filled, I think. Right? Well, how do you Texas feel about that? You want to go to that game? Well, well, outside. Outside. You don't you're care outside. about Texas. You're going to have all your servers wear masks, I mean, from now till whenever? You yes. Think your waiters and, and bartenders will yes. be wearing masks? You know. Yeah, I mean, I well, don't know. Guys, yeah, Carl? Yeah. Uh, New York Post. New York Post has a great th- story this morning about Vegas, which did go to 50 percent. Uh, and th- I mean, the money quote is I couldn't even get into the Bellagio parking lot. Uh, I do notice Jim MGM is the second biggest S&P gainer today, up six and a half. It is remarkable how people are, again, want to travel and want to go. And now Wynn has done remarkable work in terms of trying to figure out exactly what the safest way to do it is. I wish restaurants were to do the same thing. There is a Japanese way. The Japanese have figured out how to make it so that there's very little uh, uh, communicable disease in restaurants. Uh, But our country is just kind of catch as catch can. Uh, governors deciding things that governors, are they really capable of making decisions? What do they know? I mean, I just think, Carl, that, that unless you've really vetted this thing with scientists and there are scientists who would say, listen, there's some things that are not safe. I mean, look, airlines are safe because they keep recirculating the air, and yet they were the ones that were fingered as being the most dangerous. So I find that when you go in in, in a room and people are screaming, uh, that's just not safe. I don't want to be in that room. All right. But I when, I, when we saddle up to the bar at uh, Port Samuel. Yes. Uh, on the 5th of May. Yes. And I start down in tequila. Right. And Carl's with me and we're all together. That's going to be fine, right? Well, it's going to be by invitation only because I'm trying to figure out how to do this. OK. And David, David, uh, unlike Sun's a lot of other things like where I wouldn't give Doors you the olive oil. Doors will be wide open. No. What's that? Like I wouldn't yeah. give you the olive oil. I'll give you the invite here. I'm still waiting for the olive oil. Some, some nice viewers like sent me some olive oil, but not not from my not from my longtime colleague and, and dear friend of 25 years. You yeah. have to work a little harder. 
For the olive oil? Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, we got some M&A to talk about this morning. Though. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'll start off with it's a big deal. It is Canadian cable, but the, the names are moving. There's a lot of U.S. investor bases, you might imagine. Rogers is a name some of our viewers may know, largest uh, um, uh, Canadian cable company. But they're buying another company called Shaw. It's a pretty big price tag that we're talking about here, about $26 billion. That does include about $6 billion of Shaw debt. So let's call it $20 billion in equity. Uh, paying around 10.7 times their calendar year EBITDA. Um, it is 40-50 to all shareholders, but the Shaw family is going to get 60% of their consideration in Rogers' shares. There you can take a look at some of the details on it. And they're also talking uh, at Rogers about spending a lot more in uh, parts of uh, Canada in terms of building things out there. Um, take a look at the stocks, though, because that uh, they are performing. As you, look at that. I mean, that's a big move in Shaw there based on this deal. And Rogers, interestingly, is up as well. Don't really have a, a read on antitrust uh, at, at here, um, but uh, sort of more or less just going, frankly, on what's in the release, Jim. But it's a big deal. We had another, a couple of other smaller deals this morning. I'm sure you saw the Roche deal, a couple mm-hmm. of others as well. Extended Stay America, getting uh, taken private by Blackstone and Starwood. So, you know, uh, some M&A this morning beyond, obviously, the SPACs. Look, I, I think they were an exciting market. Uh, it's, it's a market where people... The extended stay, I think we got to talk about for a second, David. I mean, sure, talk about I mean, it. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, people are staying in there, staying extended. <laughs> well, they actually did fairly well during the <laughs> pandemic because you did have people who had to go to certain areas or who were and 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 did exactly that. What wanted their place, wanted to be there for weeks, if not longer. And so their occupancy never fell nearly as much as as the general hotel industry did. But, uh, Carl, there is this overweening belief that Boeing is too high because business travel is not coming back. And I, I come back and say, look, what people don't realize is that this is about airline companies needing enough planes. And you may think that business travel is not coming back, but there are, are there's a pent up demand. And Boeing is getting orders. I mean, it's not like people are saying, you know what, we are worried about business travel. They have actual orders. And now there's a note today that's a, a very telling note. Morgan Stanley still talking about 787 being a problem. It's been a problem since October. And yet they raised the price target. So uh, it, Boeing is a, a company that people are saying is the ultimate in uh, reopening the economy. And you can tell the ones that are not reopening. Oh, you know, the ones that are just staying at home. These can't get out of their own way. I mean, how much how much pain do we have to have for the people who own Zoom? Now, Zoom is up a couple of bucks. How long does that last? Uh, uh, anybody that is uh, even like Nike has been uh, athleisure at home. Finally, a positive note about Nike, which reports this week. But Nike has been a bust this year. It's been down. Uh, the winners have been companies that people never thought they'd go to L Brands. L Brands is an incredible one. It's a mall-based also-ran that you're not supposed to go to if you're staying at home. And L Brands is so, I mean, this is the exciting stock, L Brands. L Brands is the exciting stock, and yeah. of course, yeah. Well, they had, I was going to say, they had better guidance on Friday uh, yeah. and a bunch of price target hikes, as Jim points out this morning. But Jim, also, I think, um, what, Cowan took Ulta, Ulta to 375. We haven't talked yet about Mary Dillon. Uh, uh, they took Lulu to 409. Right. So there's a right. couple uh, bullish notes on, on retail today. That's true. I mean, all, can I just say Mary Dillon was, is amazing. I'm not going to say was amazing. What she did at Ulta during a Think about it. Do you want to be in the business of selling makeup when all people want to do is not try on someone else's makeup? 
I mean, that, this is a company that could have been stock cut in half. Instead, David, I'm sure you use the app. I do. You often can look at the app and find out. A, oh, well, the app, David, tells you how you would look with various. Oh, you know, that's good to know. Well, what? You, you don't use the app? No, I don't use it. Do you? Well, then how do you get the Ulta that you got before the I, pandemic? I, I don't. I don't. I've never been in an Ulta. You've never <laughs> been in an Ulta? No. no. Carl, you've never no, been in an Ulta. I mean, in. have you been in a GameStop? Yes. Not in quite a while. And the one that was near well, my house closed. diamond hands to you, partner. Yeah. But why is, why is Mary Dillon uh, stepping down? She wants to move on. She did a great job. Carl? She did a great job. She did a great job. And she's moving on. Uh, uh, Carl, yep. uh, Viacom so, and Discovery, so, both still up. So all's right with the world. Wow. Both are still higher. Yeah, I'll go with that downgrade of Viacom <laughs> this morning. It is still up, but only only uh, 39 cents or so. But uh, but up is up. It's the algos. You fingered the algos. It's the algos, yeah. How the algos with Lucid. Ready? Lucid tonight on Mad Money, right? No, tomorrow. We're doing a little Lucid stuff. Damn. A little pre. Okay, got it. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. We did get uh, a record high on the Dow, guys. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, guys. Happy Monday. Uh, it's a modest open, but the internals look great. Uh, advanced decline line has been strong for the, the last few days. We got a lot of new highs on Friday. We're getting a lot of new highs today. There's very little to dislike about the markets right now. Just take a look at the sectors. It's the reopening trade that's leading, and that is appropriate. The, but we're also getting tech doing okay. There's retail, uh, industrials, the reopening trade. Semis is the, of course, uh, the question is, is tech growth going to come back in a big way? Uh, it's holding in very well. Banks and you see energy. Energy's been a little flattish recently, but it's had quite a move on the upside. So overall, not bad here. Reopening stocks, it, a lot of them at new highs. In fact, the new high list is really led by the reopening groups. A lot, of course, the travel names like American and Carnival and Hilton. Uh, you also get the restaurants, some of them at new highs like Darden. You get some of the material names like Mosaic Company at new highs. These are all, again, reopening plays that are moving. So where's the markets right now? Here's why I think Investors have very little to complain about. We have a 13-month high on Treasury yields and a record high on the S&P. Whoa. So maybe the market is finally recognizing higher rates are due to stronger economy and not runaway inflation. That's the interpretation of this. Reopening stocks are leading the markets. Technology is stabilizing and not selling off. That's good news here. So... As far as where the money's going, the stimulus check, a lot of notes over the weekend here. Mizzou's got a very interesting note out. 10% of the stimulus checks, $38 billion, will be used to buy stocks and Bitcoin as well. 40% of that uh, of investors, of people getting stimulus check, plan to invest the money. Bitcoin is the big popular thing, 60%, but also stocks. The bottom line is this is interesting, but it's not an awful lot of money compared to a $40 trillion stock market, which is what we have right now. Finally... Are you ready to invest in a fear of missing out ETF? Everyone's trying to figure out where the markets are going. Everyone's confused. We have reopening stocks doing well, Bitcoin doing well, Reddit stocks doing well. Here's one that's in registration right now. It's not trading yet in registration that's going to try to get all of that together. They're going to try to own stocks, SPACs, ETFs, derivatives, the whole thing. It'll rebalance weekly. That is quite a, a, a feat there if they can pull that off. And they'll use trend following and counter trend techni- techniques to do that. So, Carl, what they're going to try to do is use standard momentum metrics to follow what's hot in stocks this week, but also on a counter trend, try to own stuff that's out of favor because that's the stuff that does well when you get a counter trend rebound. We'll see. We're going to have the fellow on who's doing this FOMO ETF uh, on uh, halftime report at 1230. Get a little more details on that. But it's 
really trying to capture the zeitgeist there. Carl, back to you. Yeah, we got tickers now, Buzz and FOMO, uh, Bob. I can't wait to see that later on today. Uh, Bob Pisani, thank you. Big week for central banks, uh, the Fed, BOJ, uh, Bank of England. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Good morning, Carl. You know, Bob Pisani nails it. He nails it every morning. We're looking at higher stocks, higher rates, so it's a good thing. But I would mention one other category, much higher stimulus, much more generous policies, and the reason higher rates are making many traders a little nervous, and of course we're hooking in that inflation mentality, is because where would rates be without all the extra stimulus, all the extra gasoline, and the policy trying to keep them tamped down? And that's why many investors are a bit nervous. Would it be a percent higher? How much more can it handle? Because we know all things being equal, rates are too low for this reopening trade, because there's a big dam that's going to burst pretty soon when everything starts to reopen in earnest. Look at a two-day of tens. We captured a 164 intraday high on Friday, and we had a fresh new post-COVID cycle high yield close in all long-dated treasuries. So sticky. Let's look into last Friday, and you see 3.5 there on the far left. 162s, 164. We're hovering at the top of the zone, and we're not correcting much in that. That is where the nervousness comes in. It isn't necessarily that we don't think where rates are going higher. Most traders do. The fact of the matter is, is that they're not given any retracements. Maybe it's going to be hotter than many think. Look at 10s and 30s on the same chart. So that chart goes back to December. We're at the highest yield closes going back to the end of 2019 for 30s. And as Bob pointed out, 13-month highs for 10s. Look at a year-to-date of boons. They settle around minus 57, so basically half. But the point of this is how they're consolidating right into that minus 30 level. And finally, year-to-date of the dollar index, it's hovering up 2% on the year. And it's sort of liking the solid, firm tone of interest rates. Carl, David, and welcome back, Jim. Back to you. All right, Rick. Thank you very much, Rick Santelli. Still to come, an exclusive this morning with American Airlines CEO Doug Parker. Later on on Squawk Alley, uh, AAL is leading the S&P. 25 and change now above the June high, and that'll be the highest level since February of last year. Dow record high, transports too. We're back in a moment. Now that the COVID relief package has become law, sources tell Bloomberg the president is planning the first major federal tax hike since 1993 aimed at funding long-term recovery programs. Yesterday on ABC's This Week, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, was asked about the call for a wealth tax. Here's what she said. President Biden has put forward a number of proposals. Um, He hasn't proposed a wealth tax, but he has proposed um, that corporations and wealthy individuals should pay more uh, in order to uh, meet the needs uh, of the economy, the spending we need to do. And um, over time, I expect that um, we will be putting forth proposals to get deficits under control. But no wealth tax? Well, that's something that we haven't decided yet and um, can look at. But, um, you know, President President Biden 
uh, during the campaign a proposed higher tax rate on corporations, on individuals, and on uh, payments, capital gains and dividend payments that are received. And uh, those are alternatives uh, that address um, that are similar in their impact to a wealth tax. Jim, so they are talking about corporate tax back up to 28, uh, pairing back some benefits for pass-throughs. The capital gains tax rate would go higher for those with incomes of a million or more. Look, I think that those of us who've seen what it's meant to corporate America to have those rates reduced know that part of this stock movements came directly from that. I know lower interest rates, obviously. But uh, the idea that capital gains and dividends could be taxed like ordinary income, I think a lot of Americans just feel these are huge breaks for the rich. I'd like to think that it's not the case. I'd like to think that there are many people who are participating in stocks. uh, But we know, David, we know that that's just not the case. So capital gains and dividends, if they went to ordinary income, then I don't want that to happen. But if it happened, it would raise a lot of money. And it would certainly raise money, a lot of money before it happened, as people would rush to do it. Right. And you're saying people would rush to sell yes. at the current at the at the current rate. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the question always becomes, Carl, on all these things, like what does the math look like in the Senate in particular and what can you really get through there? Um, obviously, the, the relief bill was done under reconciliation. Could you do a tax bill in that same way? And then what about infrastructure? It just becomes very much unclear exactly what they're going to be able to accomplish with a 50-50 split right now and certainly moderates such as Joe Manchin having such influence. Uh, indeed. I mean, and Goldman, with a note over the weekend, guys, uh, looking at proposals, at least, of infrastructure of $2 trillion, maybe $4 trillion, depending on what the, the White House decides to put in there. We'll take a break here. Uh, financials and energy giving some back this morning, some of the worst performing sectors. Back in a minute. We talked a bit ago about uh, box office reopening in this country. L.A. today opening theaters as well. AMC shares up a cool 16 percent. That's going to take you to the highest level since about uh, February 1st. Squawk on the Street continues after a short break. Good evening. I'm Jim Cramer, and welcome to my world. We call my world mad money. I want to help make you rich, really rich. It's great to see that piece of tape, Jim. We mentioned the anniversary uh, at the top of the hour. But, you know, what strikes me is that the mission of the show, after all this time, is as pure as it was on day one. Well, it was always to help people. I had worked at a hedge fund, got tired of that, wanted to help people who are regular people. And I think there are um, so many ways to do it. And the network does such a great job at it. And we are very excited on our 16th, as we were the first day when we, by the way, our first guest was, uh, was, was Len Schleifer uh, from Regeneron. The stock subsequently went up 400 and actually went up about $500. $500. And uh, we're proud of what we've done. Regina Gilgan, executive producer, proud of her, our fantastic team. And we're just as fired up as we were back then. And I thank you for seeing us, for uh, having that clip because it's, it was a remarkable idea to do a one-man show about business. That's what my dad wanted me to do. He says, why don't you do a song and dance business show? I said, Dad, I can't <laughs> sing, I can't dance, but I'll do a show. And there you go. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, really quick, Jim. Tonight, is it AMD? Who do, who do you got? I got Celsius, which is a drink company. It's got, come on, very strong, yes. And then Lisa Sue's got some new, uh, really, uh, an unbelievable new product. 
Uh, and it's going to take, I think, the data center by storm. And we're going to talk to her uh, after a big speech about what she's up to. There's a real roadmap here. And those who've decided that Intel is going to take back uh, her, uh, let's say, her achievements. No, not going to happen. Mm. Way too much distance between, between her and Intel. Yeah. Jim, uh, congratulations Thank again. You. We'll see you tonight, Thank of you. course, as we do every night, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.